Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the Started Out Podcast. Excited today to have Garrett Mentz on. He is a fellow Hoosier, um, but one of the reasons why I want him on is he's he's having students find their passion and find out their interests uh, when they go off to college. So uh, for those and many other reasons, I was excited to have Garrett on. Also, just a full disclosure, uh, if you're a school teacher listening to this or having your students listen to it, there are a few moments where um, the language is, is a little bit uh, out of the ordinary uh, for the show. But, uh, you know, again, he... he you know, uh, is raw and authentic. And, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily have a problem with it. Just like to give people an advance warning if you are uh, playing this in the classroom. So other than that, I think you're going to enjoy this one. Let's get right to it. Garrett Mentz. All right. Now I am joined by a kindred spirit for sure. And fellow Hoosier, Garrett Mentz. Thanks for being on the show. Hey, Don. Thanks for having me. So uh, let's let's back up and tell everybody a bit ambition and motion and and how you got there. Yeah. So ambition and motion is a company I started in May of 2013. Um, I was a sophomore at Indiana University. The initial idea for the company was I had observed a lot of my friends, especially older friends, who were getting jobs that on paper looked amazing. They were making a ton of money. Their parents were proud, but they were miserable. And I wanted to do I wanted to do something to help their expectations meet reality. So then, when they got into their jobs, they wouldn't be sidetracked and and felt like they were surprised by what they were getting. They knew what they were getting into, and so that's how I got started. That was the problem I wanted to solve. Uh, so, like, was this just because you had heard from some of your other friends, like, "Ooh, this isn't what I signed up for," and I wish somebody would have warned me, or you know, like, like, when did that light bulb really go Wait, I should do something? Yeah, I think there's a combination of factors. Um, so I think as an entrepreneur, I, I believe that there is this, this inflection point, which I call the fuck it moment. That is the moment where your social capital is low enough and the drive and the need to do something is high enough that you are going to take action. And for me, my social capital at this point in time in my life when I was a sophomore at Indiana University was zero. Um, to do a really quick, I guess, touch up on my background from age 15 to age 19, I was a drug dealer. At the end of my freshman year at Indiana University, I was arrested in an undercover operation by the IU Police Department. I got five felony distribution charges. I was expelled from school. I had no idea what I was going to do with my life. Hit with a brick wall. And that moment was the moment that I had to come to a realization that I had to accept being a total failure because I had no nobody that I thought was successful that ever was a drug dealer. So I either had to, yeah, accept being a failure or redefine my definition of success. And so I chose the latter. Um, wow. <laughs> so after that happened, I moved to St. George, Utah, enrolled in a program to help me turn my life around. And while I was there, I got exposed to the power of mentorship, both on a personal and a professional level. So on a personal level, they helped me come to grips with that I'm not Superman and that I thought, one, I would never get caught. And two, if I did get caught, no one would care. And I was wrong about both <laughs> both of those beliefs I was completely wrong about. Um, and then on a professional level, they helped me come to the realization that if I'm going to get opportunities, I have to wow people in the moment I meet them. Because the moment they do a background check on me, I'm screwed. The first thing they see is IUPD does drug sweeps for eight. And I'm one of the eight. Like there's no bigger red X on your background check when you have that. Um, so when I was in Utah, uh, 
flew, I, by the way, my parents live in Munster, Indiana. I was in Utah for about a month and a half. I flew back for the weekend to let them know my life's getting on track. On that flight, sitting next to a guy, turns out he's a director of ground equipment for SkyWest Airlines. By the time the plane lands, he offers me an internship doing financial analysis on the spot. So obviously that make a good impression was already sticking with you. Like, yeah. So what, that, what, yeah. What won him over? Yeah. I don't know. I think I just really bumpy flight, milk. really bad <laughs> peanuts. So like your I, charm, uh, charisma. I don't know. I think uh, I was at the time I was reading Dale Carnegie's how to win friends and influence people. And I think he was impressed that I was reading that book in and of itself. And I just applied a lot of what I was taught in that book. I was, you know, essentially it just talks about how people love to talk about themselves. And so I sat and asked a bunch of questions as opposed to trying to impress him with who I was. I took a keen and genuine curiosity into who he was and that made him more interested in me. And so I think, for a lot of times, a lot of young professionals, even young entrepreneurs, they think that they have to come in with this elevator pitch of like, this is me, this is me, I'm so amazing, check me out. In reality, most people care about themselves. So if you take the time to be genuinely genuinely interested in another person, they will be genuinely interested in you. Yeah, man. That's one thing that we really got across to some of our students when, when I was teaching in Noblesville in the sense that I was like, play the long-term game. And I had a couple of students that, especially on LinkedIn for six months, they didn't ask for anything. They're just finding people that they found not just popular. Sometimes they weren't popular, but they had like, Ooh, I like what this person's doing. And they just ask questions. So like, I, like, I, I don't think there's ever been a better time to be a teen than now. Cause if you just have, like you said, if you just have enthusiasm and an interest in what people are doing, you are at the front of the line period people get excited like whoa you you want to learn you have a desire to do more okay kid uh let you know let me take you under my wing or give you at least some some knowledge right now so i i love that you had that insight first instead of like hey here's me and my thing it's no man what do you got and how did you get there and that's cool yeah and i think i had to learn that the hard way because i was more embarrassed of my background i like i said before i had no social capital and by that i meant that i had embarrassed everybody that had been around me that i'd known my family my friends my university my country i mean i really didn't realize how i had impacted people until after i'd gotten in trouble and got exposed to mentors and so when it came to that moment i didn't feel like i had much to talk about for myself so that was a little bit of more or less like a self-esteem thing so, which is why I was so genuinely curious. And I think uh, the self-esteem mentality was wrong. I should have been more confident in myself and I'm glad that I became more confident in myself. But the most, the most important part was the learning that taking a genuine and keen curiosity in other people makes them more interested in you. So yeah, I, I was living in Utah. I got that opportunity. Uh, this guy, Troy, took me under his wing and um, gave me that internship. And I realized that there were a lot of other young men and women who were in this program that I was in that were also in a similar boat, but they weren't getting this opportunity. So I helped them get connected with mentors, not jobs necessarily, but mentors to help them figure out what, whether or not this is what they wanted to do. So I already was kind of like, I had my interest peaked in this concept of helping connect people together for knowledge gain and and sharing of knowledge and after a year of living in utah i got really lucky my felonies were dropped to a misdemeanor conviction i was re-enrolled at indiana and i got accepted to the kelly school of business and so when i was there i feel like being in kelly in the kelly school of business sometimes you're conditioned 
to just kind of like get the grades and like you'll get the job and everything will work out like as if it's puberty but that's not how life works you got to be in control of yourself you got to know what you're getting into and just because you get good grades or you've got like all these internships but you kind of called it in for each internship meaning that you just kind of followed your instructions and really didn't ask questions or network like you're not going to really know what makes you happy or what doesn't make you happy you got to challenge your own status quo of like what you want and that's what i realized was like the recipe for how people could have a better experience when it came to their career. So I started connecting people with mentors. So that's, that's how I got started. First of all, kudos for Indiana university taking a second chance. That's, I mean, I, that's the most, that <laughs> I'm like, I'm going like, really? I, wow. That's cool. I got and really then, lucky. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, but obviously they saw the progress you made and that you were a, not going to make the same mistake twice, but B, you know, yeah, just taking that risk. So, um, although did you ever ask like hey why did you give me chance number two did they already know about some of the work you'd been working on did you have somebody write in and vouch for you i mean like i'm just kind of intrigued on that that's really cool but i'm happily surprised (laughs) yeah i mean they have a whole interview a very extensive interview process where you have to meet with the director of student conduct you have to meet with the dean of students you have to meet with a lot of different people and I mean, they have to believe that you've really made a turn for yourself. Now, I will say that I did make a turn for myself. I really did believe in it. Although I will say, unfortunately, I you know have seen a lot of people that have gotten in trouble. They will get that second chance and then they sometimes squander it. They don't realize what they've got. I think the, the key is that you get essentially off the cliff and you're literally holding on by your fingertips. So you can see the bottom of this canyon and you're like thinking to yourself, holy crap. I, if I could ever get up and if I can get over this cliff and get back onto my feet, man, I will be thanking my lucky stars and doing whatever I can to never be in this situation again. And I feel like, unfortunately, sometimes when people get in trouble, they don't realize how close to the cliff they are or the fact that they're off the cliff, if that makes any sense at all. And so for like, for example, when I was in Utah, I'm, I'm, I'm six, three. Um, at the time I was, when I moved to Utah, I was 160, but I knew that in, in reality, there was a realistic possibility that I was going to prison. So I went to the gym every single day, twice a day sometimes. And I bulked up from 160 to 190. I was in really good shape because I mean, essentially if I had to go to prison, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be raped. You know what I mean? Like that's a real possibility. Like that's, that's what my life was looking at. And I think like the fact that I had come to grips with what the reality could potentially be both positive or negative. Right. I was. I was like, yeah, shit, I don't want to, I don't want to be in this situation. So yeah, I really bought into like just trying to do my best and make a positive impact. If that makes any sense. No, that's, that's cool. I mean, like this is Garrett meant scared straight, you know I mean? And and I I think, well, I mean like how many people right now listening to this are like, but for the grace of God go I, because a lot of people are like, did some dumb things in college and didn't get caught. And you're like, man, or on the other end, I mean, like you, you turned, the lemon into lemonade in the sense like I've got to improve myself, whether it's out of fear or just out of the fact that I've embarrassed my family and, and all that good stuff. But I like the fact that you're like, all right, learning moment. I'm not in some ways you're like, I'm not going to let this define me, but I am define me in a way that I, I want to, you know, turn it around. And uh, I, I dig that. I, I mean, I, gosh, uh, some of the people that are heck, a couple people that are on our board of directors. They, they had a life less ordinary. They had a childhood that wasn't great and they used it as, as fuel. So uh, I, I appreciate that. So here you are, you get back in, you have this idea, 
um, you hear back from your friends and you start thinking about ambition and motion. What was beta test one? What was that first kind of like cohort or those first group? Um, what did you focus on? And then, uh, and then we can get into some pivots and how you've changed a little bit. Yeah, first idea was total failure. Um, <laughs> probably like the first five ideas were total fa failure. The first idea was I just, I wanted to be a consultant for students because I was noticing that, yeah, they were not happy in their careers. And so I wanted to more or less be a coach, but I'm a 20 year old asking students to pay me a thousand bucks to be a coach for like five one-on-one -on -one coaching sessions um, where I would connect them with the mentor help them organize their thoughts about what degree they wanted to pursue and how they wanted to pursue their career, how they could get their foot in the door. And essentially I would be doing the networking for them. And I did it like for free, like as a beta test for about 15 students. And it went great, it went unbelievable. But once I started saying like, hey, I'm gonna charge money for this. They were like, okay, cool, let me go to my parents. Like, I think they'd be interested in this considering I'm paying like eight grand a semester in tuition. Like, you could help me shave off a semester and get into a job that I enjoy. Like it should be a no brainer, but a lot of parents were looking at me and being like 20 year old doing this type of coaching. I don't believe it. Shouldn't the, shouldn't the, shouldn't the university be providing these services? <laughs> That's um, a common question that I got asked. And unfortunately I didn't feel like they were being done well enough. And um, I, being in the Kelly School of Business, which at the time was rated the, like one, like the number one career service office in the country, I felt like if this is the number one career service office in the country and I don't feel like they're doing a good enough job, like people aren't really coming to grips with their decisions and how that's how they're going to like get a career that's going to make them feel meaningful and, and pursue a degree that's relevant to what they want to do with their life. If I don't feel that way about the number one school in the country in this, like there's clearly a problem and I think I can make an impact. That was essentially it. Yeah. Well, um, but I, the first idea was total failure. I didn't have a single client that paid me. Um, and then I studied abroad in China and took some time off. And I actually had an internship lined up for the summer after I got back from um, China in venture capital. And I was super excited about it. I'm like, oh, entrepreneurship. I get to be part in all these different entrepreneurial endeavors. And um, Two weeks before I got back from China, the guy that owned the company that had offered me the internship essentially said, hey, business has changed. I can't offer you the internship anymore. I'm pulling Ooh. out. And so I was like, like, fuck, like, what am I going to do? And I ended up, yeah, rekindling ambition and emotion and really looking at what were the most valuable components of the first part that was total failure. But looking at like the initial 15 beta tests, like what worked? And I realized it was like the mentorship component. And so I just went in Bloomington, went into Bloomington and just contacted a bunch of professionals, like probably like three, 400 to say, ask them if they'd be willing to be a mentor for students. And then I worked on marketing the program on campus to connect students. And I was kind of like a matchmaker where they pay me a hundred bucks. I'd make an intro and let them go from there. Yeah. So what are some of the common pitfalls you've seen with, uh, let's just say incoming freshmen and how can they start, you know, figuring this out before they change their major two and three times? Yeah, I think the biggest pitfall is the notion that I've got time. You don't have time. Get it in gear and get moving. Like, don't think that you can just go through the phases of whatever life and that like, it'll all come to you. It won't come to you, man. I promise you that. Like, take life by the fucking horns and go for it. Figure it out and try to tr get involved with as many different things as you can 
take advantage of every opportunity. If you think you can just kind of like sit back and smoke pot and like just, you know, get good grades and that's it. Like that's what I was doing as a freshman. And that was the, that was the worst choice I'd ever made. But I can tell you, you don't have time. Get on it. It is expensive to go to college. If you're not taking full advantage of it, you are wasting your money. Yeah, I, 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 I echo those sentiments. I, I think a lot of times, and this is the one of the things that I had even with the high school um, issue is that, you know, when you've never tried out, quote unquote, some of the things you might be majoring in and the first time you've exposed to what you think you might have a career and the first time you really get exposure to it is your junior year. And like changing your major now is a, is a $30,000 choice. Oh yeah. And, and uh, you know, that's one of the things I like about, you know, trying to pair up people with, with mentorships or experiences or, or shadowing is that, you know, at least give it a go. Um, I, I'm always mortified by, you know, when, when we're about ready to purchase a house, you know, the average person at least drives around the neighborhood. They take a look at the school. When you, when you, when you look at a car, you test drive it. You, you probably, you know, make sure that it, it's not too overpriced or not reliable. Yet I know so many people who go into college just like they like the football team. Or, you know, it worked out well for your dad. Well, that's cool, man. But yeah, ha- have an idea of what you think that you might major in. And have you spent a, an afternoon in that career field? Uh, man, that's just, I, I, yeah. I mean, we're, we're starting talking about $100,000 loans. Oh, and, yeah. and you really haven't given it a test drive. Yeah. That's crazy to me. And we've been so conditioned as society to keep go to college because that's the way out of uh, that, or that's the way into a high paying career or a high paying job, um, which is the truth. You do like the statistics show that you will get paid more. People who have a college degree get paid more than people with a high school degree. But what it's not factoring into is the balloon price of college. Like, yeah, it worked out for your dad who paid a fraction of what you are paying for college. It's way smaller fraction. Like back in the time, like when my dad could go to college and and a lot of like kids, like people today's parents could go to college, like they could work a summer job and cover like one semester's tuition. Yeah. Yeah. Can confirm at age 47. Um, But, you know, at the same time, um, the only thing I'd push back on is that, yeah, the data does confirm that the average person makes more. However, those things are starting to change too, because some of the things that some of the, like some of the jobs that are out there, they don't require a four-year diploma. They require skill certificates. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's a rapidly, rapidly changing world. Uh, And it's, and it's exciting. And that's why I just, I enjoy the fact that you're wanting people to start getting connected and getting them a little bit better of an understanding of what, they think that they might want to go into. So yeah, looking at on a meta level, I think you could look at it back at like the sixties and the seventies and eighties. And I'm not actually talking from any data. I don't have any data to back up this opinion, but I mean, I think you could look at a lot of things like literacy and a lot of other like basic core things that you're going to get with a college degree that made you, that gave you the prerequisites for a job. But I think a lot of those Base, a lot of the basic educational components that 
you're going to get from college, you may already get from high school and that a lot of people are coming in already having. And so it's the things that stand out about you and your desire to learn, your desire to grow and your desire to be the best possible person you can possibly be that will really stand out to employers. I mean, I think I, I was reading a few different LinkedIn posts from HR professionals that said that they hired the person who didn't have the college degree or they hired the person who made potentially a typo on their resume or whatever, because they felt like they were a better culture fit for the company because they felt they had more conviction about what they wanted to do as opposed to saying like, hey, you know, I got my degree, it's in this, you know, people who get degrees in this typically work in this area. Um, so I applied for this job and that's pretty much it. Like that's my why, but that's not a compelling why. That's like an entrepreneur who says like my why is to want to make money. It's like if your why is to make money for anything or to follow the stereotype of like what everyone else is doing in this degree path, um, you are not going to be happy. You will never, you will always be chasing. You will never be satisfied. You will never be happy with the journey that you're on or the destination that you wind up with. Yeah, I totally agree. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I've heard from so many people, um, when they're looking, they're looking for enthusiasm and moldability. Like, like, so granted, there's certain things that like, you have to have a skill set. So I'm not like saying like, Hey, we're hiring some brain surgeons and you seem like you have a really good attitude, mister. Hope this brain surgery, but, but there are a lot of jobs where I think a lot of people are like, look, we're willing to train. Are you trainable? Um, you know, what are you like vertical versus horizontal skills? You know, we can train you on certain things on how to program in this language or how to build an event or how to do retargeting or whatever, just your character development and your enthusiasm and your willingness to work with people and you not being a, a total a-hole. That's what they're looking for. Uh, everything else they can, you know, they can do on the job training. So yeah, I, hearing all this again, but the only thing that I have an issue with, not issue, but is convincing um, parents in a lot of cases. Like, you know, when, 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 a, when a son or daughter says, look, I'm thinking about getting my, let's just go, like, I want to be a Salesforce administrator. I don't need to go to college for that. I just need some Salesforce administration uh, classes. And then I think that I can get, well, I know a lot of parents like, no, 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 no. Just, just like study general studies at a famous university or even not so famous university. That works out. That's how I got a job. And man, I just, I wish that a lot of parents had at least a balanced approach. Like, and, and I get it. Like if there is a direct path, like engineering, especially most engineering fields, that is a direct skill. You're going to be employed, but there's a lot of things that just the general diploma. I just encourage a lot of students, a parents start looking at, you know, like almost kind of like you do for a mortgage, right? When you qualify for a mortgage, the bank takes a look at the loan value and the home value. So when parents are, and I'm not going to, you know, like, disparage anybody's major but when parents are saying okay what is the average major of this graduate make so you may go to a really let's just say a top tier well i'm gonna really make you mad let's just say purdue and say because purdue is notoriously engineering but yeah, there, there there's some other majors they offer that aren't engineering that may not if you look at their numbers it may not pay that well uh and so the parents are like like you should at least look at that roi like I love education. I love continuing education as long as it makes financial sense. And, and I think that when guys like us start talking, sometimes the only thing people hear is we hate college. No, that's not it. But we are taking a look at that ROI. 
Absolutely. Well, and I think it's, it, it, you can't actually blame the parents because I would say that uh, it's difficult. Everybody's got their biases. Like I am biased. I think everyone should be an entrepreneur. I think you should at least consider being an entrepreneur because I am an entrepreneur. I am conditioned to believe that the decisions that I made in life up to this point in time were the right decisions. Why? Because I'm happy and I like my life. And I think my life is pretty good, even though I'm not super wealthy right now. I feel like I'm making an impact and I'm doing some really cool things. And then eventually one day financially I'll be compensated, but that's not going to be the main thing that drives me. It'll be doing things that are meaningful to me, making an impact on other people and in, in, in creating value. I mean, ultimately my vision is a world where the vast majority of people are excited to go to work when they're there, their expectations meet reality. And when they come home, they feel fulfilled. That's my why. That's why I, that's everything I do is for that. Yeah. And, yeah. I love that. Well, I, uh, yeah. Seeing a, a, a world where you're, you're enjoying what you do. Oh boy. Yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? But the vast majority of people. So not just me. So I I'm living, I'm practicing what I preach because I do enjoy what I do, but a world with the vast majority of people can enjoy what they're doing. They're excited to go to work. They're, they feel like their expectation of reality when they come home, they feel fulfilled. Like if, if we can get yeah. to a world where more than half of people are doing it, amazing. And it doesn't matter if I'm doing it, if I'm the, the catalyst for getting this change done, but if at least I'm contributing to it, if I'm, if I'm working towards it, if I'm trying to manifest this outcome, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's essentially it. Even being on a podcast like this, putting this out there to the world and hopefully getting people to be more conscious of this is, yeah, is, yeah. is part of it. Definitely. All right. So you've inspired us. Tell everybody where you can find more about Garrett and Ambition in Motion, please. Yeah. So um, you can find me definitely on LinkedIn. So it's just linkedin.com slash Garrett Mintz. I'm super active on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, Ambition in Motion, ambition-in-motion.com is my website. Um, one of the bigger pivots that we've made more recently was towards corporate. So we've essentially started creating mentor programs to connect people within companies, employees within companies together for mentoring relationships, because we've identified a science behind why some people get along for mentoring relationships than others. So, um, if maybe let's say you're a parent of a student that's watching or listening to this podcast right now, and you're thinking like, man, my company would love to have a mentor program. Like, this is something that can be helpful. This is something that can help increase engagement. We have the science behind why people match and, and connect well together. And yeah, we can increase engagement, help grow company cultures and just help people be happier in their work. That's awesome. Well, I will have all that in the show notes. Hope some people reach out to you because Garrett, uh, yeah, you've lived it from that uh, struggling student to making sure you found your why through a lot of highs and lows. And now he's wanting to kind of pass that knowledge on and, and, uh, and, and partner up and, and find some great mentors for some, some students. So sincerely yeah. appreciate what you're doing. And, and, uh, and like you said, having that mission where people are enjoying what they're doing and feeling fulfilled. I think that's such a crucial just cause that, uh, man, I'm just, I'm super excited for you and, and applaud it. Thanks. All right, man. One what? final piece of advice. Yes. If you're a student entrepreneur thinking about entrepreneurship, this is the biggest tip. Don't give up. I mean, that's really the biggest tip I have. Stay within your vertical. And by that, I just mean like, take whatever knowledge you're learning from. If you, if you're building a startup, if you're, if you're creating a startup, I mean, when I was starting as a sophomore, I had no funding. I bootstrapped everything. And, um, I can tell you that, the long, so many people will give up if they don't get that funding. If they're like, oh man, I didn't end up getting that seed round or whatever. And I guess I couldn't be able, I couldn't create the product. I can tell you 
the only the only reason why you will fail is your lack of resourcefulness. So if you don't give up, if you're resourceful, you will make it work. And the longer you're in the game, the more punches you can take, the more times you can get up, the more likely you are to succeed. But if you bounce around to a bunch of different ideas that are in a ton of different industries that are in a ton of different sectors, you're going to run yourself ragged because ultimately you're going to be mediocre at a bunch of different things. But if you stick to one area and it doesn't actually have to be the same idea my idea changed a million times but it was in the same industry it was in the same vicinity it was the same science and research behind it it helped me become an expert in the mentor in in the space of mentorship and facilitating mentor relationships because that's like the main thing that i've been doing for the last almost seven years now yeah no that's great advice especially that bouncing around on this idea and that idea but sticking and uh like getting knocked down and well, to quote Chumbawamba, you get knocked down and then you get up again. Sorry. I'm going to quote 90s lyrics more. Uh, Garrett Metz, thank you as sound advice and I appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I'll have all of his information in the show notes. So thank you so much, Mr. Metz, for being on the podcast. Cool. Thanks, Tom.